What's up, guys? It's Eddie Laughlin, co-founder of Shotgun House Coffee Roasters, and you're listening to Building Something Out of Nothing, a small business podcast right here in San Antonio. Today's guest is Vera Deckard, owner and head brewer at Kunstler Brewing in San Antonio. We talk about her foray into home brewing, the decision to take a leap and open a brewery, finding the unique neighborhood location, and how she took her German heritage and passion for craft beer and created the popular neighborhood brewery and eatery in Southtown. Enjoy. Okay, I'm sitting here with Vera Deckard from Kunstler Brewing. Um, we're over here actually at the, the brew pub slash brewery in the back room where I guess is this kind of where people can reserve it for events and things like that and to watch games. What, what is this room for? This room is for people to watch games. My, my vision was always to, by the way, thanks for having me on board. It's awesome. My vision was always to not have any TVs in the tavern, but I understand, you know, San Antonio, they love their spurs and, you know, mm-hmm. there's a big soccer following. Uh, so we decided, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you had like a little bit of a, a separate room and we call it Sportshalle, which means sports hall. That's awesome. And this is where people can watch games and they can play shuffleboard, they can play cornhole, darts, and also a little bit more of a, a family atmosphere so people feel comfortable if they brought the kid, you know, the kid can be back here with them running around. Well, and it's really cool because it kind of separates the front of house from this like an extension of that front of house you have all the food happening up there and ordering the drinks and kind of all the commotion and then you can come back here and it's a lot more kind of open and you yeah. know televisions and things like that so if you have yeah, a crowd that wants to experience something a little bit different you have best of both worlds and i think that's really cool so what are we drinking i'm drinking your very popular hawaiian fog ipa yes yes uh, very very good um thank you what's what goes on with this beer and and is it a very popular one that you'll have yeah, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, it was one of the beers as a home brewer that I really loved. Uh, we spent a um, belated honeymoon in Hawaii, and we ended up drinking a lot of Mai Tais. And awesome. um, when I got back, I was just like, man, you know, I really wasn't in the beer drinking mode yet. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if I could just do a beer that kind of has that, is reminiscent of the Mai Tai flavors, very tropical. It does. It's great. Awesome. Yeah, and so I came up with that recipe and we always rebrewed it or I always rebrewed it as a home brewer and so this was our first IPA to go on the board when we opened okay and it sold like wildfire uh, at the time when I first brewed it it wasn't it wasn't um, cloudy like this one or hazy uh, and then we had a few people saying well it's fog you know shouldn't it be kind of like a hazy I'm like well you know it is tropical let's add a little oats to it so mm-hmm. we added oats it made it more hazy but also gave it a little more of a mouthfeel and we really like it it reminds me very much of the the pog juice that you get in Hawaii so y'all are one of the first if not the first artisanal kind of like craft brew pubs here in San Antonio correct yeah I think uh, Blue Star is probably the very first. Okay, yeah. yeah, right up the street. Exactly. And you're from Germany. I am, yes. And so you've kind of done this, which is very unique. I mean, you might see it a little bit more in like Fredericksburg, Texas, and things like right. that. And what this place is kind of, kind of reminiscent of in a lot of ways, but it's kind of like a German-Texas fusion that you've done with um, kind of the space and your beer and things like that. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that and how that concept came to be? Yeah, it's hard not to... To bring your own flair, you know, when you build something from the ground up and you decorate it and you look at furnishings, 
you kind of bring your own flair and your own taste in. And, you know, I'm, I'm just that. I was born and raised in Germany. And um, I love going to different restaurants and bars and checking out the vibe and what makes a place feel good. And it was always my thing that, you know, I would, I'd like to tie in a little bit of my heritage with the local heritage. And so that's what we do um, in the atmosphere. That's what we do with our food. Uh, and we also do a lot of that with our beers. So you're from Germany. What, where were you born in Germany? How long did you live over yeah. there? And then what, what brought you over to the States? I was, um, <clears throat> I was born up in Hamburg. And when I was a teenager, I moved down to Bavaria. Cool. And when I was in my 20s, I moved to California and spent a lot of time there, which is where I met my husband. Oh, wow. Uh, and he's military, so he ended up with um, an offer, actually, to come to uh, San Antonio. And we had been in Texas for his pilot training and just absolutely loved San Antonio. If we ever had a weekend where we could afford to get out on a, on a lieutenant's wage, we'd spend some time in San Antonio, and I just kind of like, we both fell in love with it. So when the offer fell in place, we were up in, in the wine country, and he's saying, you know, what do you think about moving to San Antonio? I'm like, let's do it. You know, wow. our, our friends, of course, thought we were crazy, but mm-hmm. we're like, well, you guys don't understand. It's awesome here. So had, at this point, had you been brewing beer uh, or did that come later? That came later, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So well, I want to back up and talk about, obviously, the origins of Kunstler and how everything kind of came to be. But first and foremost, I guess that starts with beer and learning how to brew beer. So how did you kind of get into that whole world? Yeah, so um, when I met my husband, he was a home brewer. We both met at a, um, a brew pub in Calistoga, California. We both worked there. Cool. Uh, he worked as a bartender. I worked as a waitress. Um and the rest was kind of history. And he, I knew that he was brewing beer. I really hadn't, I didn't have much of a beer palate because I never really had craft beer. Okay. Um, I thought beer was Budweiser um, or, uh, you know, some of the, the, the mainstream beers, and it wasn't, it just didn't suit my palate. And then he was brewing like these oatmeal porters and IPAs, and it, tasted really good to me, but I wasn't interested in brewing with him. Go back to 2011, he was, um, through the military, he went to Afghanistan for about six months. Okay. And I wanted to, um, in, during the, like, three months into it, I thought I would, I came across this book, I think it was Crafted Brews or something like that. It was about brewing beer in a small batch, like in a one or two gallon batch in your home off of the stove. And I'm like, well, this is a lot better than when he gets together with his buddies and he's brewing like five, ten gallons and they're trying to figure out this mass amount and it seems to take like all day. Right, we can do this on a smaller scale. Yeah, so I bought, Crafted Pours was the name of the book. So I bought the book. Book shows up with Amazon. Uh, I open to inscribe it and I start reading it. And so you bought the book for him? I bought the book for him. He never got wow. the book. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I read the book cover to cover that night, and the next morning I called up my son. I'm like, hey, I'm going to the brew store. We're, we're <laughs> brewing. Come on over. He's like, well, we're brewing coffee? I'm like, no, we're brewing beer. He's like, oh, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so he came over. We brewed our first batch. We threw it away because it tasted like crap. <laughs> <laughs> we brewed another batch. Um, it was a little better. We threw that one away as well. And then on the third batch just kind of clicked and and that's also when the passion developed for it. I love to cook, I love flavors, um, I love the mystique of baking and brewing is very much like that. You know, you're always, you know what you want to do and you're always trying to 
figure out a way to get there. And sometimes you don't get there, but you might come up with something else that's really incredible and cool. Um, and I was just hooked. So when Brent came back, he came back to a kegerator that had <laughs> two five-gallon kegs in it. Um, and one was a, a brown ale, and the other one was a milk stout. And he had a wife that wanted to brew every weekend. Mm-hmm. What, so. did, what did he think about this? So he comes back home. <laughs> you had gotten him this gift of this book the about gift brewing that he beer never got. that he never got. You've turned the whole house into a type of uh, small batch brewing operation, and there's kegerators in the laundry room and brewing equipment everywhere. Was he excited about this? Was he pumped that you had taken on this hobby that he also loves, or was he kind of taken aback? Well, in the beginning, he was super excited about it, and then when we were living out in Alamo Ranch, we had a fairly big house, so it wasn't quite obvious, all the stuff that I was doing everywhere throughout the house and storing, and then when we moved downtown King William's area, a 1,600-square-foot house, all of a sudden, you know, you walk into the hallway, guest bedroom, had a conical fermenter in it. Um, the dining room had a big old chest free- freezer in it for fermentation. The kitchen wow. had another, another chest freezer. There was um, Erlenmeyer flasks and stir plates all around. Um, in, the, uh, in the mud room, we had a kegerator, not to mention countless magazines and books, and me always on podcasts learning everything that I could. So, And that's similar to how I learned how to roast coffee, by the way. <clears throat> there <crazy>. aren't <laughs> tons of uh, resources out there, yeah. and so you find... You find the resources that are available to you. Yes. And yeah, I yeah. listen to podcasts, and that's kind of how I trial and error just learned through a way batch of the coffee. So very similar to what you were talking about with uh, your earlier uh, brewing experiments. When you were brewing this beer in the 1,600-square-foot house, was he was this kind of a joint thing? Y'all did it together? Or had, at yeah, this point, we, you taken over, and this was kind of your deal? Well, we would do it together, and I, I was determined that I was going to brew at least once a week. Okay. And based on his schedule, he couldn't always do that because he traveled a lot. So mm-hmm. when he wasn't there, I brew by myself uh, and when he was there we brew together and it was just kind of like a, a passion that we really liked he loves the um, he loves the technical side of it as far as the equipment the pumps and the stainless steel and the hoses and all he loves putting that together mm-hmm. and I'm more on the rest the recipe side of it so you're more like the artful like the culinary side of it a yeah, little bit. yeah yeah exactly that's so eventually it got to the point where he you know, you look around the house and it's just filled with brewing equipment. Oh, yeah. He it, comes home one day and he's like, okay, this house is starting to look like... Well, I think what set it off is like we had a visitor come in from the street. She was asking for directions. I think it was like um, we had, the parade was going along our street and this lady, she's like, I'm trying to get to so-and-so. And Brent's like, come on in. And she walks in and all she can see is like Erlenmeyer flasks and chest freezers. She thinks it's a meth lab or something going <laughs> yeah. on there. Yeah. And Brent's like, you know... This is starting to look like Breaking Bad. Right. You're, you're either going to tone down a little bit or you have to go pro. And so I thought about it for a day, and I'm like, I just I can't see myself toning it down. This is my life right now. Wow. And so that's when we decided, I think it was January 2014, um, that we'd go pro. So you decide to do this more than just a hobby and you're, you're thinking, okay, I'd l- I want to open up a brewery, a brew pub. Did you know what you wanted it to be at that point? Um, and kind of what was the next step? Was it getting funding? Was it finding a building? What did you need to do next? Yeah, I, I knew that we didn't have the money to do a big scale like what we have right now. My idea was that we'd start really small. We'd have like maybe a two-barrel system or three-barrel system, and um, 
we find a tiny little spot somewhere that we could rent and we just kind of get our name on the board. And then I figured that once we do that and people have our beer, surely the investors would come pounding on our door. Of course, yeah. And, um, and then we take the next step. It didn't work out that way. We did have the two, well, we thought we bought a three-barrel system, which actually we ended up selling to the good folks down at Cactus Land. Oh, wow, yeah. I've been really beers. wanting to go out there. <laughs> it looks great. Their brand, everything about them looks great. So Yeah, they're awesome. They're so creative. Um, they brew on the system that we never got to brew on. Wow. Uh, but we did fix it up and somewhat get it into working order because okay. the system probably had never been brewed on in the 20 years of age that it was. Yeah, we thought we'd find this tiny little space, so we, we were looking downtown was really important to me. So we were looking for spaces downtown, and I think we went through three or four different locations that fell through, including the Hemisphere. And after the Hemisphere fell through, that's when, for the second time, I decided to look at the current building that we're in. Because okay. the first time when I looked at it, I didn't have the vision for it at all. And the second time, I was just, it was sheer desperation. I didn't have the vision for it, but I knew I wasn't going to spend another two years looking for a location. So I just... At some point, you have to pull the trigger and do it. Yeah, yeah. And I had faith in the fact that, you know, beer drinkers are pretty awesome. They're passionate about their microbrews, and if you are somewhere, they will find you. So that was because you're one of the only, if not the only brew pub which I, I love 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 about this place is that it's kind of tucked away hidden right off of SoFlo in this very burgeoning Lone Star Arts district and but it's a neighborhood brew pub yes um, and that kind of might scare off a lot of people you know and that might right. um, in terms of like owners and moving into a place like this mm-hmm. it's a big investment and you, a lot of people might be worried that you might not be seen mm-hmm. you can't just put a big sign on the road you know mm-hmm. on a major street anything like that you're tucked away a little bit but that's a very, very popular thing right now, and people like finding like the hidden gem. And this place is absolutely one of the best hidden gems in San Antonio. Were you concerned about that at all? Were all, you all of everything that you brought up? Every single point, I was concerned about it. And every time, time I walked in here to do something, paint, um, do floor work, whatever, <clears throat> those are the things that I always thought about. Is like, how, how are people going to find us? Who's going to know? Who's going to want to come into this neighborhood? Because I didn't understand the neighborhood I was in. I didn't understand that I was in Southtown Arts Mm -hmm. District. Uh, I just knew that I was kind of like almost at the end of a cul-de-sac, and it was really hard to get here. And most people that, if they did drive this way, surely they'd probably be lost, or so they think. Oh, no, I think that's one of the best parts. In in hindsight, you can look back and be like, wow, it was a really great decision, but... It does scare you when we did our West Side roastery. It was the exact same thing. Yeah. Nothing was over there. It's in an abandoned warehouse, essentially. No specialty coffee over there, no specialty anything. And you walk, the whole time you're building it out and spending all this money, you're just sitting there thinking, <laughs> especially on your worst <laughs> night, you're laying there at midnight thinking, oh, am I making just a huge, huge mistake? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, But no, this place is just absolutely fantastic. And So how long did the build-out take? So we started working on it in 2015. And I thought, surely, when we bought it in 2015, three months later, we should be done with it. Okay. Uh, it took about um, almost two years. Yep. Uh, um, and you're right, you know, going back to what you were saying about the neighborhood pub, um, my vision was, you know, when, when you asked me back then, where do you think that brewing is going to go or microbrews, 
I feel that it's going to go into that neighborhood brew pub. That that's going to be the popular thing. I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, because that's where it kind of used to be. It's like you had a neighborhood pub where you would hang out, you know, and the neighborhood takes pride in whether it's coffee, like you're saying. You know, the neighborhood takes pride in whatever you're creating. They want to take ownership of, over yeah, the thing that's yeah, theirs. It's, yeah. It's so important. And even if they don't maybe necessarily like beer, you know, we offer we offer wine, we offer mead, cider, you know, but it, it's it's a neighborhood meeting place. Well, because your your food options are so great, too, that it can accommodate a variety of people. It's not just yeah. beer snobs or yeah. beer nerds that want to come over here. It's people that just want to. It's a real sense of community. So the build-out took about two years. How did you, so originally you wanted a two-barrel system, um, and you bumped that up to, I believe, a seven-barrel system? Yeah, so when we got the building, <clears throat> we started to look at the two-barrel system that we had, and it looked really weird trying to figure out how to place this little tiny little two-barrel system in a building this size. Right. So we knew that eventually we would need a bigger bigger system. So we found out about Lift Fund, which is a San Antonio organization, and mm -hmm. they help small business owners with loans, uh, even if they hadn't been in business for themselves before. Mm -hmm. And they were willing to help us out, which was great. You know, so that got us the brew system. And um, we also took on investors as far as um, investors from our family. Uh, we ourselves are investors. Um, Brent's parents are investors. And we have a couple of close friends that invested as well. Wow. They're okay. silent partners. Um, and they're awesome because they have 100% faith in us. One last question about the area because yeah, it's yeah. smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, on the right, there's houses. On the left, there's houses. Right. In the front of you, there's houses. Like you said earlier, there's... Jimmy's Family Pizza right there, but uh -huh. they're the only other business. I mean, you have all the Second Saturday stuff and all that going yeah. on you down. You have Dorchel down there. Yeah, Dorchel. And High Wheel Brewing. And High Wheel, and yeah. they're, they're great, too. But did you have an issue with, because of where you are specifically in a neighborhood, do you have any issues with zoning, any big issues you had to kind of overcome, or was it just kind of no. easy to come in here and start up a brewery? So, yeah, this, business, or this property was originally zoned um, Heavy Industry or I-2. Okay. Uh, and so what we were doing in essence is we downzoned. Right, to I-1? Yeah, no, to, uh, is it C-2, IDZ, IDZ, C-2, something yep. like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Shirley Gonzalez is, um, she is just very forward thinking with this particular district and doing the IDZ because she wants to see more and more small businesses right. pop up. Uh, so she was very <clears> much on our side. The neighbors were fine with us coming in. We unfortunately did have uh, one street down. We had one lady that had moved back here from California, uh, and she knew what we wanted to do, and she had an issue with it. She felt, in her words, that people would be um, people would be fornicating in the streets, and um, there would be a lot of drunken madness in our in our street. Which is unfortunate because this type of establishment. You're, you're not a, you know, you're not, this yeah. isn't the type of, this isn't a bar on St. Mary's Strip. Right. You know what I mean? Right. This is not that type of establishment, but it's still things you have to overcome when you move into a neighborhood. Absolutely. Yeah. And the sad thing was that, you know, she was, um, she is uh, Spanish speaking, and so she managed to petition and talk, and this is a very um, Spanish speaking neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so she scared a lot of the neighbors into thinking that there's just going to be horrible things taking place on their street. And she got signatures. In the end, it all worked out. We had uh, Mrs. Gonzalez on, on our side, 
and uh, the neighbors are realizing that this is really no big deal. If anything, right. I'm approached by a lot of neighbors saying, hey, you know, this is great. This this street has never been as safe as it, as it is right now. There you go. The more eyeballs in an area makes yeah. it safer, I, yeah. I feel like. And for a long time, this area in the South Flores area didn't have a lot of eyeballs. And now you're Correct. getting Dorchel and you guys yeah. and a lot of the art galleries. And now we have a coffee shop right up the street and things like that. Awesome. So. Yeah. I think it's great. And one more thing about Shirley Gonzalez, I can also attest to how much she kind of helps this district and small businesses because when we opened our, she's a big regular at our uh, West Side Roastery. Uh-huh. Right when we opened, we were having people, we have issues with parking, as I'm sure you have issues mm-hmm. with parking as well. And people were parking right kind of on a bridge that is right across the street from how you enter the roastery. And within the first week, people were getting ticketed left and right. Mm -hmm. I got ticketed. We had customers getting ticketed, and we paid for those tickets for them. And then one day, she she came in right when we were dealing with a ticketing issue. And I just kind of told her what the situation was. She just asked, and I told her. She made one phone call. Mm -hmm. One phone call. She said, I'm going to handle this. Made one phone call. To this day, over a year and two months later, we have never gotten another ticket. And so she has... She, she does a tremendous job for the small businesses and in this area, and I yeah, can attest to that as absolutely. well. So definitely want to give her a little shout-out. I'm not sure if she listens to the <laughs> podcast. but um, So we haven't gotten to the name. So you find the building. You do the build-out. It takes about two years. You um, talk to Lift Fund. You get mm-hmm. uh, some money for uh, the build-out and the seven-barrel system and all that. How would you come up with the name Kunstler, and how did that stick? In the beer industry, it's really hard to find a name nowadays that hasn't already been used okay. because there are so many breweries that are po- popping up. Not only that, but there's a lot of beers that people want to register the name. So anything hops related, anything beer related, if it sounds somewhat smart, it's taken. Right. So like San Antonio Brewing Company was an original name that you had thought of. Yes. Obviously, that's yes. gone. That is gone. Not an option. Yeah. 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 So there were, there were challenges with that name, and we decided to just leave that behind, move forward. And, uh, yeah, so now we needed a name. And it was just kind of looking up looking up all the names that you think would be somewhat smart. If they are, they're taken. Yep. Uh, and so we just kind of did a shout-out to everybody that we knew. And somebody said, hey, you know, it should be Künstler. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, nobody's going to know how to pronounce that. People are going to mispronounce it. They're going to confuse it with something else. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. I brushed it off. And that very same day, another person said, hey, have you thought the same of Kinsler? Okay. I'm like, okay, so maybe I need to think about this. It appealed to me because we are in the Southtown Arts District. Kinsler means artist. Um, it appeals to the art of brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm German, you know, so it's It a works German on many name. levels. Yeah, yeah, it works on And people mispronounce it. Uh, people misspell it. Uh, we have some X-rated versions of it. Uh-huh. It's fine, <laughs> but um, yeah, it just it, like the moment we had the name, we we suddenly were able to design around it, and it works on yeah, like you say, it works on so many levels. It's so perfect. I want to talk beer now. So when when did you open? By the way, uh, open we opened in it was October of two thousand sixteen. No, seventeen. Sorry. And yeah. how does that work? So. You have the building, you build it out, you have a name, you have all this, and you kind of have a date. I want to open on this date. I want to have this food. I want to have this beer. Yeah, we had many dates. You're the, oh yeah, that, <laughs> believe me, believe me. And I'm always a fan, by the way. I tell people, don't announce 
your opening date until yes. you know 100% yes. that you are opening. You're going to confuse so many people. You're going to have to go back and say, I'm sorry, we're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, there's always going to be many dates, especially when you're kind of bootstrapping this and funding it. And yeah. you know, I yeah. completely understand. I've been there. Um, but how do you come up with, so the, uh, the core of this business is the beer. Mm-hmm. How do you decide what your recipes are going to be? How many beers you're going to offer? How many taps you're going to have? Um, you know, you also have a membership program and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that, but kind of how did you come up with your recipes and what are some of your best selling beers and just kind of that process and tell me about that. So I was home brewing since 2011, so I was also brewing every single weekend. That enabled me to brew many different recipes mm-hmm. over and over again. And so after a while, we had probably like 30 where we're like, oh, okay, you know, these are really, really solid. We can build upon those. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, Brent, knows how crazy I am, so surely I should be able to always have between 14 and 16 brews on right. the board or on tap. And so we do. Uh, I didn't think it was possible, but somehow we managed to do it. So we came out with our favorite recipes that we felt really confident with. And we also did a couple of ones that were a little experimental and that turned out really wonderful. I'd never brewed a Pilsner before. And I brewed a Pilsner for the very first time here. And it's one of our best sellers as well. That's and awesome. that's the Verklempt Pilsner. Okay. Yeah. How do you how do you decide? I mean, somehow you just have to you try to get a balanced beer board. You know, you know you need some lighter, easy to drink stuff. You know, you need some IPAs. I personally love Belgian beers. Okay. So I always try to make make I saw sure to have a few some of those Belgians. on the board over yeah. there. Yeah. And then people are really into spice things, chocolatey things. So you just kind of work work around that. And right now, so I know it's primarily a draft system. Do you do any canning or bottling? I, I sell growlers over there. So you yeah. sell growlers kind of the neighborhood or people we who want those. We sell growlers and we also have crowlers, which are cans. Very so popular right now. we can them one at a time. You'll you can know? them out on site. Mm-hmm. Like if someone yeah. orders that, you can that for them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's very so cool. So the vision was always to try to sell everything out of our taps. Uh, so there's with a seven barrel system, there's really not much room for bottling or right. canning on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way that we'd be able to do that is if we decided to do a production brewery okay. elsewhere. So are you similar to kind of Roadmap or Dorchel where, well, High Wheels is a little bit different, but Roadmap, you know, I was just talking to them. We released their episode today, actually, and yeah. they sell the 100% of the beer that they brew, they sell in their brew, the brew house. Yes. Are you the same way? We're a little different in that we, um, I think our brew schedule might be a, a little bigger in that we try to still brew for some of the accounts that we have throughout San Antonio. Okay. So we are able to self-distribute. Very uh, cool. And, and we do that uh, usually to people that, or businesses that are very excited about having us. Uh, Park Point Eats, uh, gosh, uh, we were at Stella. Uh, we always have a tap over at the Flying Saucer, so we just kind of like look for strate- strategic locations because uh, we feel that's really great advertisement. And it's a great way to expand, you yeah. know, people that aren't down here immersed in this kind of and not artsy everybody South wants town. to be down Absolutely. here, right? so they so. can still drink your beer and taste your beer and things like that exactly. up in Flying Saucer, which, by the way, Flying Saucer was one of the 10, 15 years ago, that was the only place the to get good place, craft beer yes. in San Antonio, yes. and a lot of uh, the craft beer breweries we have now were spawned from conversations at uh, Flying Saucer. So can you imagine how crazy that is? Because we used to go to the Flying Saucer and just like we always admired the Flying Saucer. We never thought that we'd have our beer on tap. It's crazy. So now we walk in there and 
there's our beer on tap. It's almost like that no, it's, it's moment a, of like it's you're almost like star <laughs> starstruck kind yeah. of like by yeah. yourself. So, you know, I think exactly. it's amazing, and I think it's amazing how much the the beer scene here. I mean, I've only been here since 2015, and how much I've seen it expand. I mean, obviously, yeah. y'all come on the scene, roadmaps come on the scene, right? All these different places have come on the scene, and I, I just think I. I I, I, lo- I just love it. I love it so much. I love how different every place is. Yes. And I also yes. love the sense of community. And we're, we're going to talk about that um, a little bit. Actually, I'll ask you about it right now. You're one of the only, if not the only, women brewing beer in San Antonio, especially mm-hmm. like like the head brewer mm-hmm. at, at your brewery. Right. Um, largely a male-dominated beer scene here in San Antonio. Have the other breweries been accommodating and friendly? Um, what, what's that whole situation been like? Very, very much so. Okay. You know, and, and that was the cool thing like when we got this building uh we called up ranger creek and i'm like man i need some advice on on how do i even put this equipment out here how do i do the floors you know and they were here like within an hour that's awesome you know looking at the building giving us good advice we went over there we picked their brain uh busted sandal free tail i mean everybody is super accommodating and you know for us it, it kind of trickled down you know so when when roadmap opened he mm-hmm. was constantly here picking our brain you know who do you work with who does your you know how do you do your water mm-hmm. have you thought about this and yeah so we all very much work together do you try to mentor you know other other women who are trying to enter this community do you have people contacting you or hitting you up now yeah. asking you those questions yeah. Yeah, I have a, a lady right now that's actually being mentored. She was very insistent that she wants to learn everything there is about this business, and mm-hmm. so she shows up on brew days, and she's a super hard worker. Wow. Um, I don't know if she wants to, maybe maybe in the future she will start her own brewery, but yeah, it's really cool to see that women are getting an interest for this craft. No, I think it's great, yeah. It's, it's, a, it, it's not a difficult craft, it's physically difficult. That that's the you know so it's you, have, you have labor intensive. It it's labor a intensive. lot of work. It's, it's not hot. just drinking beer and hanging out. It's, exactly. It's a lot of work, and I don't you know, I'm sure people understand that on a very basic level, but really once you dig into it, it's yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And everyone has questions for someone else, and it's a matter of, and this is very with the beer community here in San Antonio being accommodating being so many things are cutthroat and so many things are I'm going to keep my trade secrets to myself right, and right. the beer community seems to be very friendly um, yes if absolutely. I if I run out of an ingredient I can ask one of my mm-hmm. 10 other local breweries in the area and they're going to give me that ingredient and um, I just think yeah. that's that's exceedingly rare um, in any industry but that's true. I think yeah. it's I think it's really cool that y'all yeah. kind of have that sense of community I want to talk about your membership system that you have here. Want to tell me a little bit about that? It's limited to 150 members, kind of first come, first serve basis, a standing waiting list. Yeah. How does that work? When and and you kind of touched on that earlier. You kind of get to a point where man, we have to open the doors because money just keeps flying out like crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And we did not want to take on another investor, and that's when I kind of came up with the idea. Well, why don't we offer? some of our um, visitors the opportunity to be somewhat of an investor. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with the Stammtisch. And okay. Stammtisch in Germany means the regular's table. Very we have cool. that long table, but of course everybody is welcome. Um, but that's kind of how we, we name it. And you have a membership for a year, and uh, it costs $200. And I originally wanted to have 200 members at, well, my husband wanted 200 members, and I said we'd never sell that many. Right. So we cut it at 150, and but we we sold those memberships out immediately. Oh, it wow. seemed like okay. within, I think they were they were we opened mid October, end of October, 
and we sold out mid-December. So is so. the membership system sold out right now? Yeah, so for this year it's sold out, okay. and there's already a, a waiting list for, for next year. And what do you get with that? So you get 15%. When you when you walk in here, you get 15% off your entire tab. Okay, so food be, included. Yeah, food. That can be That's whatever cool. T-shirts you buy, beer. Uh, that could be guests that you bring in. You know, they're, you, if, if, they're, if it's on your tab, you get 15% off. In addition to that, you get a really cool mug. Last year we had kind of like an earthenware mug. This year okay. we have a hand-blown glass mug by or glass by Zoli Studio, okay. local artist. Very cool. Next year is going to be more of a traditional German Stein uh, with the the blue. I forget what it's called. I think it's like a salt blue salt porcelain or I don't know something like that. Okay, very cool. Um, so that's what we're going to do next year. Uh, you have at the at the end of the at the end of your year, and it always ends in December, end of December, the last day of December. We do a dinner for all the members that want to join. That's nice. Um, we show kind of a cool, funny beer-related movie. Okay. Um, just kind of a, a nice way for people to get together. And in addition to that, we do hey. we do tastings. Um, so we do. Competitions. Okay. We work closely with uh, Seveseros and Bear Brewers, who are a homebrew organization. Then we open up to like the last tasting that we have was had was on a Hellas. Okay. Um, and so we had I don't know maybe twenty people submit it, and our Stumptisch members they get to come in and be the judges. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. So we do that like every six months, and then the winner gets to brew their beer with me, and they as long as that beer is on tap, they pay two dollars. Per, per pint. Wow. Okay. Uh, and they obviously have their name up on board. So right now we have the Fortis, which is the extra strong pale, which okay. is a home brewer's recipe. Wow. Amazing. Um, yeah. That's a really way to kind of give back to the whole, the whole like home brewer community whole home and brew things community. like that. I think exactly. that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so let's talk food a little bit. I know beer is the the central like theme right. here at, okay. at the brewery, but y'all have some of the best, especially like German food that you can get in town. Oh, and that's what makes this place almost just a complete package is that you can come here you can get a full meal i've had the reuben sandwich i've had all that Mm -hmm. it's very very good um and they pair excellently with some of these beers how you know starting a brewery by itself that is a huge endeavor yes an incredible endeavor not to mention building out a building and just doing everything you have to do to get this place ready just for beer um did you know you wanted to do food from the beginning and you know, did you just hire somebody to do that? Did you come up with these recipes for yourself? How, how does that yeah. work? So I knew that I wanted to have food with the beer. Okay. And I knew that I was going to keep it really, really simple because I knew that food was going to be complicated. Mm-hmm. And if you look at our bar, we have that tiny, tiny little kitchen behind the bar, literally, yep. that pumps out all the food um, that the we right make. The right side over there? Okay. Yeah. So that was initially just going to be like just some charcuterie some and a pretzel. Right. And... And it just, I don't know how it happened, but it kind of took off from there. It was just like you you kind of spin off of the enthusiasm of your customers. You do. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, they really like that. You know, let's see how they, let's do a shrimp roll. Let's yeah. see how they like that, you know. And before we knew it, we were, we have a fairly big menu. Um, our food, you know, our, our beer is very honest. And so I always wanted to keep the, the food very honest, mm-hmm. everything made from scratch. And so everything that you find on the menu is made from scratch awesome. here. Um, and what we can't bake, we try to get from a good bakery, for instance, the, the bread box. Mm-hmm. That's where we get our, our um, rye 
bread from oh, wow. for the pastrami okay. sandwich. Um, that's where we get our pies and desserts from. Okay. So we like to collaborate with local people. That's awesome. As well, bread box is super good. Yeah, they are amazing. And so, yeah, the food just keeps growing, and I'm realizing that people are coming in here not only for the beer, but they also really love the food here. So now we're in the process of actually expanding our kitchen a little bit so that, you know, making it a little bit bigger so we can add a few more items. Are you going to expand it kind of towards the back? How would you expand No, we're going to, like right now when you look at the tavern, the bar goes all the way across so right. where the kitchen is, we're going to open it up into a little L so that they okay. have a little space along the wall. So you started a brewery and you ended up also starting a restaurant a little well, bit. Well, it's the thing is, it's like <laughs> you think about starting one business and yeah. then you look at it and you realize, wait a second, I have the brewery and the tavern, so that's two businesses, but it's actually three businesses. Right, it really because is. Because the kitchen is like a whole nother And it does, animal. it kind of, and that's just what happens with any small business is that you have, always have your vision. Yeah. And you go into it and you're just dealing with so much stuff and then you finally open, mm-hmm. you have your vision and then immediately you get feedback from customers and yeah. you start to think, oh, well, you know, we could do this. This might, they, this might be something right. they want as well. And then yeah. you gotta do that. And then, yeah. but yeah, it just kind of evolves over time based on what the community wants and what customers want. And yeah. I think you're giving the community what they want. I mean, we right. love it every time we come. I think it's, yeah, we, we just love this place. Um, and speaking you. of the community, so what, what kind of people come here? So I know you'll have people from the neighborhood, obviously, mm-hmm. and people from Southtown. Yeah. Um, probably a lot of industry people, a lot mm-hmm. of beer people come mm-hmm. here, some beer nerds. I would imagine families come here because mm-hmm. you're also just probably just getting people for dinner and yeah. maybe um, yeah. work groups that just want to have like a fun like work happy hour. This would be like a great thing for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what kind of what kind of people yeah. do you get here? Uh, you just mentioned yeah. all of those, yeah. like all all of the above, right? And it just always amazes me, like when we're really busy when I walk through here. It's just such a great mix of generation and culture and yeah. But, all walks of life you have um you have a lot of visitors here you have a lot of neighborhood people here all ages um we're very family friendly until about seven o'clock right uh, and people are understanding that you know because we want people after seven to be able to sit and enjoy their beer and and be adults um yeah i I was interviewing um chef peter of of cookhouse Mm -hmm. and their restaurant reminds me of this brew pub in a lot of ways oh, and wow. that that's it's a, a it's great a very, honor that you say that because i really admire <laughs> oh yeah one of the one of the best well, yeah. best chefs in town one of the best restaurants in town but it's in a neighborhood just mm-hmm. like this you know and there aren't a lot of places so you know very similar in that way but also yeah. so i think you just you get a melting pot of just you a do. lot of people and so yeah. anywhere from like people in local politics and judges and i've seen the mayor over at cookhouse all right. the way to like industry people and just families and it's just Anybody and everybody, yeah, you'll see here uh, at Kunstler, but also at, uh, at the Cookhouse, Cookhouse yeah. and I just think yeah. that's interesting. What is your favorite non-Kunstler beer or brewery? It doesn't have to be here in San Antonio, but do you do you drink beer outside of your own beer? No, um, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you what do you like right now that you've been oh, drinking? Oh man, you know, right now um, I'm really loving the people at Roadmap. Uh, I know awesome. you just interviewed him. Um, it's kind of like my, it's another little secret place that I like to go to. Mm-hmm. He's doing a really great job with the sours. Um, I always, you know, I've always thought that Ranger Creek was solid. Uh, I'm, I'm sad that they're no longer doing, doing their OPA. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I love their yeah. Oatmeal OPA. That was <laughs> my was first, like, first craft beer here in San yes, Antonio that yes. I would buy and bottle. Yeah, I love yeah, it. For me too. I was just like, oh, wow, this is made in San Antonio. This is just so amazing. Uh, Mark Marcus from Weathered Souls is doing some really creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that outside of, you know, if we're, and of course we talked about the good people at Cactus Land, uh-huh. and I wish I could get out there more often. Um, I love what they're doing. You know, if we're in Denver, for instance, um, I, I have a tendency to gravitate towards Odell. I really love what I Odell love does. I love Odell. I've yeah. never been out there. Is it a cool... Have it's a cool like um, they have a, they have a little test batch system in the Rhino area, okay. and it's a well they call it a small little tavern. It's not that small, but it, it it has that small appeal to it. Okay. And their brewer there can be very creative. He's just kind of oh, left yeah. to his own, you know, just come up with cool stuff, and oh, he does. I love that. So that's cool. Um, yeah, anything that I can get from Odell and Prairie. Always love. Prairie is super. Oh yeah. man, I, lo- I always forget about them, but they're but so there's, good. But there's, it's so you know that's a question that's so hard to answer. You know that would be like you asking me what's your favorite style right now. I don't know. It's a, it's a mood it's thing. Everything. You know? You're a brewer. Yeah. And you, yeah. You just love everything. Yeah. yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, so what's and then you kind of answered this. What's what's your state uh, or your opinion of the state of the San Antonio beer community right now? Oh, yeah, I think it's amazing. I love, you know, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, gosh, do we need another brewery? And I think, you know, absolutely. When you're up in Denver and you see there's so many very successful breweries, they all have their own spin. And many of them are aware of the fact that not everybody is a beer drinker. So you Mm -hmm. have wine offerings, you have cider offerings, mead. But they all, you know, I, I think the successful ones are the ones that really cater to the neighborhood. Yeah, I completely agree. And you, you will see that when you go to other cities, yeah. especially other, um, you know, San, San Antonio is the seventh largest city in the nation, um, statistically, but yeah. you'll go to other cities that are even smaller. And they, mm-hmm. they absolutely, I was telling um, Dustin from Roadmap that we had gone to Seattle and then we got to Milwaukee and mm-hmm. uh, two oh, Milwaukee. big yeah. beer cities. And there were so many kind of like neighborhood pubs and neighborhood yeah. bars and neighborhood little super microbreweries and I love places like that and so when I see this popping up here mm-hmm. and you know add a girl doing their little 12 yeah. pints over there I, yeah. I just love that type of thing and I hope that that uh, continues uh, in throughout every scene culinary scene the coffee scene the beer scene but especially with the, the coffee scene. scene is amazing right now oh yeah, yeah. no the coffee scene I then came here continue from, to be so I came here from Austin and was very pleasantly surprised by the coffee scene yeah. here in San Antonio when I got here um, so we have a lot of entrepreneurs and burgeoning entrepreneurs and small business owners and things like that that listen to this podcast if someone has a dream of opening Mm -hmm. up a brewery uh, whether it's production whether it's small batch whatever it is what's one piece of advice that you could give someone that um, is looking to go down that road yeah I I always go back to um, double the budget that you plan and probably triple your your timeline okay because that's that is what what will end up happening you know, it's like we try to be so con- like we tried to be so conservative because it's just like, oh my gosh, this is all the money that we have, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, we ended up spending you know almost triple oh, yeah. that, you know, yeah, and then time wise, you just don't you know everything everything does take longer, you know whether it's finding a location it takes longer than you expect, uh, whether doing you know if it's doing the build out everything takes a lot longer than you anticipate. Well, and a lot of times, and what people might not realize is that. Even if you're doing the majority of it by yourself, you're still going to have contractors doing plumbing and mm-hmm. electrical. And yeah. with any venture like this, it doesn't matter what it is, you can't do all of it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you are relying on other people and their schedules, things are going to get pushed back. And oh, someone's yeah. going to tell yeah. you they can do it in a week, and I promise you it'll take a month. Absolutely. And that's going to happen over and over and over again. So you need to relax your expectations a little yeah. bit. And if you need to plan ahead and do that stuff earlier, then you need to do that. Exactly. Um, 
because everybody I've ever talked to always runs into the same issues with that type of stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's just kind of like relax your expectations right. and right. save as much money as you can and it's going to cost more and it's going to take yeah. longer than you thought. And that's just... And if you know that, it's... Um it almost kind of puts you in more of a stress... Well, it won't ever be stress-free, but you're not going to be as stressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. If you anticipate that. So what's on the horizon for you guys? Um, are you wanting to stay a small neighborhood brew pub? Are you going to be expanding production any in any way? Um, anything you'd like to talk about or plug before we sign off? Uh, well, you know, we already talked about the fact that we're expanding the kitchen, um, and we're also going to come up with a creative way to put a little beer garden outside. Ooh, and nice. there, you know, there are so many little projects around this building still that we feel like we can do better and we want to do better. Okay. So we're going to be working on that. And then, you know, it's kind of as we get there, it's up in the air if we want to start another tap room a little outside of downtown that we okay. would like to cater to or if we want to start a production brewery outside of downtown. Have you been able to see, um, it's kind of an offshoot of that, but you said you have a couple of partners around town uh, that carry your beer. Have you been able to see putting your beer in specific places, people that are like, oh, I know that brewery because I've been there, and are people recognizing you in other parts of San Antonio and places that you might say, you know, it might be kind of cool to have there's a need for us, someone, someone like us, like kind of up in that area of town or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we hear that often, you know, like uh, UTSA area. We always feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, I wish you guys could be out here. You mm-hmm. know, I don't really have me travel all the way down from here. You know, I really wish there was something like you up there. So, yeah, we do, we do get that a lot. But anyway, yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on. We've enjoyed this place since y'all opened, and I think you're just Thank a great you. addition to San Antonio and the beer community in general. So, Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Building Something Out of Nothing. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at ed, that's ed6238 at gmail.com. As always, you can visit either one of our locations seven days a week. Our roastery and first location is over at Warehouse 5 at 1333 Buena Vista Street. If you'd like to serve Shotgun House coffee roasters in your restaurant, cafe, or office, shoot us a quick email at orders at shotgunhouseroasters.com or contact me anytime at 254-913-9031. Our intro music is provided by the Delicate Boys from Austin, Texas. You can find this song and their entire album on Spotify. Thanks.